Quesada Cake, A New Way to Eat Gelato, and The Triumph of the Throat. This week, we're back in Palermo, Sicily. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. You found the place where we enjoy talking travel and food. Welcome. This week, we're back in Palermo with Enrica Bruno of Culinary Backstreets to talk about the desserts and sweets of Palermo, Sicily. But first, if you like travel and food, you should sign up for the Destination Eat Drink newsletter. Each month, I keep you up to date on the videos, foodie posts, and podcast episodes here at Destination Eat Drink headquarters. Sign up at DestinationEatDrink.com, and thank you so much. Enrica Bruno is a foodie tour guide in Palermo for Culinary Backstreets and Alternative Tours Palermo. She was on the show last week. We talked about arancini, caponata, and the multicultural makeup of the city. But there's much, much more to Palermo. So I invited Enrica back, and this week we talk about convent suites, why you need to love ricotta in Palermo, and how street art is helping to revitalize the city center. Plus, it's Italy, so there's some yummy gelato talk. Okay, I'm starving, so let's eat. Destination, eat, drink. Enrica Bruno from Culinary Backstreets, thank you so much for being back here. We had you on last week. We had such an amazing conversation about the food and the culture of Palermo. I wanted to have you back because there's so much more to talk about. Thanks for agreeing to come back this week. Thank you. Uh, yes, I know. So uh, Palermo is a, it's a very complicated city. So we have uh, many topics to, to talk about. You're from Palermo. Sicilians love their sweets. So I'm sure that we're on the same page here that we both love sweets. Um, one thing that I always look for when, when I'm traveling through Portugal, every town has their own um, suite. And a lot of them are uh, convent suites. They originated in the convents of Portugal. And there's some kind of egg, custard, and almond mixture usually. But um, that's in Portugal. Tell me about the convent suites that we can discover in Palermo. Yes. Uh, in uh, So desserts, you know, sweets are really like a world here. Mm, I would say like a, like a kingdom, you know, when you <laughs> go to, to a pastry shop. So you really take a lot of time to choose uh, the you know the pastry the cake you want to try and uh, so you need uh, more than probably one week to taste all the different uh, sweets we 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 offer um in uh, uh see the the convent uh, sweets are a very old um, heritage you know the main um the, the the most uh, uh, popular um, cakes you can taste in Palermo come from a, a, like a convent um, heritage. 
uh, in Palermo there is a um, very interesting um, um, pastry shop which is located inside a convent. The name is uh, Santa Caterina uh, uh, Convent. And the name of the pastry shop is I Segreti del Chiostro, like the Cloister Secrets. It's like a hidden gem like a hidden treasure located in the main highlights you know in the main squares of uh, uh, of uh, palermo historical center um it's interesting because uh, uh, this pastry shop uh, was um, uh, open uh, in uh, 2016 uh, after you know more or less more than uh, um, 50 years uh, uh, more than yes more or less more after 50 years in the past uh, the nuns of that convent used to make fantastic pastries imagine that my grandmother who is 90 today remembers that the pastries every sunday lunch came from santa caterina convent and she always mentioned uh, the name of a cake that i never tried like triunfo di gola the triumph of the throat <laughs> uh, and i always asked my grandmother no no what's that i've never heard about this cake oh she said that's uh, that was a fantastic pastries that they, we used to uh, you know ask um, just writing on a piece of paper the name and gave to the nuns through a turning wheel because the convent was a cloistered convent so the nuns couldn't be seen by people so they used to prepare and to you know sell the pastries through a wheel and they couldn't even talk with people because in that convent there was a very strict rule the rule of silence so uh, the last nuns left the convent in uh, uh, 2014. There were only three nuns left and the convent uh, was too big for only three nuns. So they were moved somewhere else. And uh, this place finally in 2016 became a public pastry shop. Uh, the nuns before leaving left them all the ancient recipes of their sweets. So finally in 2016 I was able to taste for the first time this fantastic cake called the triumph of the throat which is like a spongy cake divided in different layers stuffed with custard nuts pistachios almonds walnuts and a little bit of marzipan marzipan is also um, 
you know, an important uh, um, ingredient uh, for the Sicilian pastries. So we eat, uh, um, uh, especially in November, the marzipan fruits that we call martorana fruits, which were instead invented in the convent in front of Santa Caterina in the martorana convent. So it came also from like a convent uh, tradition. But the main ingredient for our pastry is the ricotta, the ricotta cheese. So if you don't like ricotta in Sicily, well, it's a problem. Okay. Uh, yes, because uh, when you go to a pastry shop, uh, you, you, you cannot miss the chance uh, to taste uh, like a uh, pastry with uh, ricotta cheese. So, of course, uh, probably you know, but the world know the cannoli, um, which are these long like rolls stuffed with ricotta cheese. And uh, in Palermo, uh, the ricotta cheese is made with uh, sheep milk, okay? Not with cow milk, because we have more uh, sheep than cows in this area of uh, Sicily. And uh, sheep ricotta cheese um, has uh, much more flavor than the cow uh, ricotta cheese. Or the cassata cassata cake. So we have uh, uh, different uh, um, varieties of cassata. Baked cassata, which is the most ancient cassata you can taste in, uh, in Sicily, which is uh, just uh, like a um, short crust stuffed with uh, uh, ricotta cheese and chocolate chips. Uh, it's uh, like a covered, you know, cake uh, and sprinkle at the end with uh, icing sugar. It's very simple that you can also find in the regular bakeries and we can also taste uh, um, as a breakfast, you know, the Italian breakfast is extremely sweet. Uh, or the traditional, uh, you know, cassata, la, la cassata tradizionale is instead uh, like a spongy cake uh, in two colors, it's uh, green and white uh, because uh, it's uh, covered with uh, marzipan uh, and um, glazed, uh, uh, like a glazing uh, sugar on top, uh, stuffed again with ricotta cheese and uh, decorated, actually I would say wonderfully decorated with uh, candied fruits. Can I just say I love the I love the cassata. It's one of my favorite things. But I was just enchanted by this story that you told about the triumph of the throat cake because I was just like young Enrica because I had never heard of this before. And now you've told us about the triumph of the throat cake. And now I'm just in my brain. I'm thinking, all right, when can I get to uh, Palermo next to try the triumph of the cake? Because <laughs> this is something that I've, I've never tasted and I've never even heard of until today. So um, thanks for sharing that. Um, before we get off the topic of sweets, we have to talk about gelato because uh, I love gelato. I was a gelato maker for several years here in the United States and 
when I was in Sicily last, well, whenever I was in Sicily, I, I always loved getting gelato there because, well, one of the reasons is because the uh, pistachio is my favorite flavor and the pistachios in Sicily, the Bronte pistachios are so, so good. Um, and one thing that uh, they do in Palermo that I loved was the gelato on the brioche bun, which is totally delicious and decadent. But my favorite place, since I've last been to uh, Palermo, my favorite place, Brioschia, um, has since closed. So let's talk gelato, but you have to tell me at some point what your favorite place is, Enrica, so I have a new favorite place when I come to Palermo because my favorite place closed. Okay, yeah, that's not easy, you know, because uh, <laughs> uh, gelato is also is is good everywhere here. Uh, of course, I have my favorite spots, but uh, it's hard to find a bad gelato. Um, yeah, gelato, gelato is uh, <laughs> it's not easy to talk about gelato because uh, gelato is another world. <laughs> I mean. Um, you can find uh, different, uh, of course, um, we can eat the gelato in um, different ways. So in a cup, in a cone, or as you correctly said, in a brioche. It's like a sandwich. It's like a gelato sandwich. Uh, but uh, our brioche is not like a flat uh, brioche, but is, we say, a brioche a dupo. Tupo. Tupo is the bun, the small bun on top of a brioche. Uh, it's uh, for us like a proper meal that uh, usually, usually we have uh, lunch, especially in uh, summertime with uh, the brioche congelato. Uh, it's not uh, easy to eat, eat because uh, you risk to, you know, Get very very <laughs> it gets dirty. everywhere <laughs> exactly. So we always uh, so I always when I'm with uh, uh, my customers uh, um, uh, teach them how to eat the gelato brioche. Uh, but first of all, you need to take the bun on top of the brioche, uh, and you need to use the bun as a spoon. Okay, so you need to take your gelato with this small tupo, with this small bun. Then you eat your gelato and in the meantime you fold your brioche. So at the end you will eat like a proper gelato sandwich. Okay, uh, so in, uh, in Palermo the you know, the tradition of gelato is, is very old. Actually, the gelato was uh, um, invented by the Arabs with the name Sherbet, uh, which is the, the sorbet, okay? And uh, in the past, it was made with the snow from uh, Mount Etna, from our volcano, um, flavored with uh, a little bit of uh, like orange juice or lemon juice. Uh, the gelato became the gelato we mean 
to, to today uh, on the second half of the 17th century by Francesco Procopio de Coltelli, who used a very old machine that his father uh, used for making the granita, you know, the ice lash. Um, and uh, he mixed uh, together with sugar and uh, other, you know, flavors. Um, so in, uh, in Palermo, uh, if you can find a good gelato everywhere, it's not the same as uh, for the granita, okay? So the granita is more for, uh, from the east coast of the island. So I always recommend in Palermo to taste uh, more the, the gelato than the, the granita. Uh, the, we have many artisanal um, ice cream makers in uh, in Palermo uh, who don't use the you know the, the the powder you know the industrial powder but they use the real ingredients okay for example pistachios well pistachios of course are pistachio is one of my favorite uh, uh, flavors so I always uh, order brioche with pistachio and nocciola, which is the hazelnut. Also, we, we grow many hazelnuts uh, in, uh, in Sicily. Uh, pistachio is, uh, is very famous because uh, uh, also pistachios were brought here by the Arabs. And uh, for them, uh, pistachios became um, like the main um, income for several centuries. In fact, pistachios were known as the green gold of Sicily. Um, so pistachio for sure is a flavor that uh, you should try uh, in, a, in, a, in a brioche. But we also have very, very, I would say, vintage flavor um that we try to offer during uh, our tours because uh, otherwise the uh, people uh, don't find by you know themselves for example i don't know if you ever tried the jasmine flavor the jasmine flavor is an amazing flavor that again <laughs> my grandmother used to get uh, when she was uh, young uh, the jasmine, you know, we, we have uh, two main uh, flowers in, uh, in Sicily, jasmine and orange blossom. So in the past, in order to give flavor to like a healing uh, water that they used to heal the viper bites, so the jasmine flowers were put in, in this very sour water. Uh, just to give more flavor and to give, uh, you know, the possibility to have uh, like a more pleasant uh, uh, drink as a medication. Uh, then um, many ice cream makers decided to make a gelato with the jasmine flavor using the proper flowers of, uh, of jasmine. And in the past, it was sprinkled a little bit with cinnamon. So today, uh, um, very nice and very also refreshing flavor 
especially in our very warm, you know, summer evenings, for example, is having a brioche with or a, or, or a cone, if you don't want to get too full, uh, with uh, jasmine and cinnamon together. My favorite uh, gelateria, mm, I would say I have to favorite gelateria. Uh, one today is uh, Il Signor di Carbognano. Actually, they are located in two different areas of the town. Il Signor di Carbognano is in the, um, is near Brioche, when Brioche, your favorite gelateria was, uh, near the Politeama Theater. So it's a uh, in the most elegant area of the town in the you, you know where you know people used to go uh, to shop for example uh, and another very very nice gelateria is instead in the historical center and it's roro uh, which is managed by a woman which i like it's a, a woman business mm. um, and uh, this lady is uh, still uh, making the gelatos with the you know the, the the real ingredients not with the industrial dust uh, and uh, the powder i mean uh, and uh, she serves uh, she keeps the gelato in the pozzetti we call so when you go there you don't see the um, you know the gelato in the trays but in a sort of a steel cylinder with a lid on top, which was a very old-fashioned way to preserve better the gelato. This is a really good tip, Enrica, because, you know, one of the things about gelato is to sell a lot of gelato, you need to have it on display with these giant tubs of gelato overflowing with with vibrant colors. The problem is, one, those vibrant colors are often dyes. They're not natural colors. And two, by having it on display like that, it goes bad quicker. When you have it in those cylinders with the lid on, you can't see it, but it keeps the gelato fresher and therefore tastes good Tastes tastes better um, when, when you're buying it. So um, that's that's something that I, I think folks should look for um, when they come. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to have the best gelato, but it's a really good sign if they have those cylinders uh, with the lids on them. And thank you for that recommendation for jasmine sorbetto. Um, I've never had that, and that'll be another reason why uh, I have to come to Palermo in the <laughs> not-too-distant future. Let's talk about the art of puppetry in Sicily. I was, I was taken the first time I went to Sicily because there's all these displays of puppets, and I, just, I, I didn't realize what it was when I first got there. I thought, oh, isn't this, uh, this is cute? But it's really a part of the culture. And I've gone to puppet shows in Sicily. They're not for they're not just for kids. They're entertaining, but they're not just for kids. They're a real art form, right? Yeah, absolutely. They are very funny, you know, not only for kids, but uh, for the adults. Uh, it's um it's a great uh, it's a great heritage uh, that uh, we 
you know, all uh, we should uh, all uh, keep alive, you know, um, because um, it's almost disappearing. In um, Palermo, in the past, there were uh, 40 puppet theaters. Today, there are only four left. So I always feel, you know, like a mission when I um, tell people about the tradition of, uh, of puppets. Um, also, the puppet uh, um, shows, but also the art of uh, uh, making the Sicilian puppets uh, um, is like a family tradition. Um, uh, and, you know, those families uh, um, are, have, have, you know, troubles, you know, to survive sometimes because uh, uh, with uh, the, you know, with Netflix, with, uh, mm. uh, you know, the TV series, uh, so people, of course, uh, don't uh, go to, uh, you know, to, to, uh, to the puppet theaters anymore. Um, so the, it's, uh, it's a tradition that uh, was, um, that dates back at the end of the 19th century. And uh, Palermo puppets are very, very big, uh, um, are like uh, more than uh, one meter, more or less they are uh, one meter and 20 centimeter tall, so pretty tall. Uh, they are knights. Uh, usually the stories are about uh, two cousins, Orlando and Rinaldo, who fight for the love of the same woman, Angelica. Uh, in the past, uh, the um, you know, puppeteer used to uh, play their shows in the public uh, squares. And, uh, you know, and it, it was it, it, actually I, I wasn't born yet, but uh, I think it would have been amazing because, uh, you know, I always try to imagine all the people gather in a square. Uh, there was, uh, you know, usually the father who was uh, giving uh, the voice to all the characters of the shows uh, helped by the oldest uh, uh, son who was moving uh, the antagonist usually um, and uh, usually there was always uh, the young uh, um, son of the family who used to play a piano which was very easy to, to do because it was like a wheel piano uh, while uh, the puppets are extremely heavy because uh, are in um, the structure is in wood uh, and they are covered with uh, armor, uh, so only you know a strong man could uh, move a very heavy puppet. Uh, when the father uh, became too you know too old, so too weak to move the puppets, he used to go back and play the piano. And the young son used to take his place because he became stronger to move the heaviest puppets. So it was like a circle, you know. So today it's not easy to keep this tradition alive. Uh, so we, 
well, I always trying to, you know, to talk or even to go and see not just, uh, not only like a puppet show, but go to a puppet studio. So, and to see how to make a puppet, which is not like an, just a handicraft, you know, you know, job, but it's an art, it's a proper art. Um, because uh, they are everything. They are carpenters because they need to cut the wood because each part of the body of the puppets is assembled piece by piece. And they uh, usually make the armors. So they design all the armors. Uh, they, you know, design all the, like the crest for every single character uh, they make the clothes they paint the faces they use the they some of those families are still using the glass eyes so the eyes are not just painted but are stuck inside the wood with glass so it's a it's a very you know accurate uh, you know technique and you know it is also related with food. How? In which way? You know, <laughs> I told you at the beginning, you know, everything in this city is related with food. So puppets we, and food. How does that puppets work? Puppets and food. How? Exactly. Because uh, on the Day of Dads, which is uh, here we celebrate on the 2nd of November, um, there is the tradition of uh, making and buy uh, the sugar puppets. So we make the same puppets, but in sugar. Uh, and it's uh, like uh, usually the, it's, uh, it's a bit bizarre almost to, to say, but the day of that, it's a feast for kids here in, uh, in Palermo. It's uh, usually um, it's sometimes more important than uh, the Christmas. Uh, and it's a very nice tradition. Uh, on the, the night between the 1st and the 2nd of November, all the kids used to hide uh, underneath the bed an um, empty bucket. Uh, because at night, the grandparents from the heaven will come to bring them some sweets some toys and some sweets uh, so on the 2nd of november in the morning they go and see what the grandparents brought them during the night but the basket is not underneath the bed anymore but it is hidden somewhere in the in the house so they start you know all the kids start like in a like a treasure hunting uh, to look for this uh, basket and they can find it like in the shower or behind a curtain and they find this basket full of sweets and sugar puppets so it's like a gift that the grandparents or the great grandparents who passed away uh, brought them during the night what a great story um 
Before I let you go, Enrique, I want to talk about street art. I think you do a street art tour. Is is that correct? Yes, you take I do. guests to see to see yes. street art. Um, I I'm a big fan of street art, um, but I think for when Americans come to Europe and to maybe Sicily in particular, they see it as um, just graffiti, you know, just like vandalism on the buildings. And I'm constantly having to point out to when my friends come to visit me in Europe, no, this is, this is a legitimate art form and look at it as art when you're looking at it. I think that perception, that stereotype maybe is beginning to change a little bit, but for a long time, I think folks looked at it as something that was, was bad. And now people are asking these artists to come in and, and decorate their buildings, at least in some places where I've lived. Um, what's your experience with street art in Palermo? So sadly, you are right. I mean, uh, um, in Palermo, there are many uh, graffitis, uh, so when I, when we say graffitis, uh, we mean uh, you know those uh, uh, no sense writings uh, that just uh, just tagging and stuff. Tag exactly. So without any you know social message or important message. And sadly, there are many. There are still many in uh, in Palermo. But in fact, during my street art tours, uh, I always uh, um, make a difference between the graffitis and the street art. I mean, the murals uh, that uh, uh, proper, you know, international uh, artists uh, um, made, uh, painted here in, uh, in Palermo. So um, you can find... Uh, um, you know, the best street art uh, murals in Palermo in La Calza neighborhood, but also near Ballaro Market. So mainly in the historical center of, uh, of Palermo, because, uh, you know, street art uh, um, is a way to give uh, colors and also to uh, in a certain way, revalue um, an area that uh, suffered a lot during the centuries. The um, historical center of Palermo has been bombed in 1943 during the World War II, and the 80% of the historical center of Palermo was destroyed. So for several years, uh, you know, People didn't live in the, in, in the historical center. People didn't go to the historical center of Palermo. I didn't go to the historical center of Palermo. So I'm 37, and when I was a child, I didn't go there, you know, because there was nothing to do. There was nothing to, to see. It was also a little bit dangerous to just to walk around. Uh, the um, restoration of the historical center dates back uh, the end of the 90s, so around the 1996 and 1998, more or less. So um, more or less 15 years ago, finally, uh, many buildings, noble palaces, monuments uh, uh, have been restored, and many international street artists came to Palermo to uh, 
you know, to to decorate, you know, to live like um, art message, which is also like a social message, uh, which is strictly related to the history of the town, to the past, the present, the evolution of this town. So in Palermo, the um, street art topics, uh, for example, are not uh, like international topics, uh, like about the, you know, global, um, you know, heating, for example. No, in Palermo, street art is connected to the history of the town so we have many murals that just talk about the uh, you know the the destruction you know the the bombing other street are murals that uh, you know talk about the uh, multiculturalism of the, the melting pot of the town we also mentioned during our conversation today others uh, that are like a homage to the judges who fought against the mafia for example so it's a it's a it's a also like a very interesting way like a different um, you know perspective to talk about the history of uh, of palermo it's fascinating because i think what you're saying is the street art reflects the culture of Palermo, and it's much like what we've been talking about, that food also reflects the culture. So I think that ties everything up together really, really nicely. Um, Enrica Bruno, thank you so much for being with us today on Destination Eat Drink. We'll have links to you personally and to Culinary Backstreets. If folks want to take a tour, they can get in touch with you directly. They can also book through Culinary Backstreets to do so. Thank you so much for being here today. This has just been a fascinating and enlightening conversation about one of my favorite places in the world, Palermo, Sicily. Thank you to you, and uh, I'm waiting for you here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's the charming Enrica Bruno. Now, you might think that a food tour is just about eating as much food as you can possibly pile into your face over a few hours, but my experience has been that the guides on food tours not only know a ton about the cuisine of their city, but so much about history and culture. And like I always say, food is culture culture is food. The two are tied together, and Enrica certainly proves that point. You can learn more about Enrica's tours at alternativetourspalermo.it or culinarybackstreets.com, or you can get a link in the show notes at radiomisfits.com slash ded248. Well, that's it for this week. Next week, carb loading with an episode all about bread with focaccia barese, cat's head biscuits and making a loaf for a rock and roll star so don't miss that until then get over to destinationeatdrink.com there's so much foodie travel stuff there i just published a video about the great food and sites in lule portugal plus i get a bloody nose <laughs> you'll find out why you won't you won't see any blood don't worry about that but you can see the video at destinationeatdrink.com by clicking on the video tab or by going to youtube.com/ 
at DED946. I also just posted a story about Cordoba's Mosque Cathedral. It's a great site in Cordoba, and that's at destinationeatdrink.com slash blog. And while you're there, sign up for the newsletter, and maybe if you're feeling generous, drop a couple of bucks my way. Just hit the Contribute button, and thank you very, very much. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and a guy who hides a bottle of scotch for the Day of the Dead, Ed Silla. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.